Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. Uh, I had someone say to me this morning, they said, you know, yesterday I saw a man at the mall with a red coat and red pants. I said, no, that wasn't me. So you want to offer a special welcome to those who are here for the first time or the very first time in a long time. My name is uh, Donald. I also wanted to say uh, a special welcome. We have a special guest here. Our MP, Marilyn Gladue, is here with us. And I just want to say thank you so much. Um, thank you for representing us well. We really, really appreciate it. And she has churches uh, at the forefront. That's, she fights for us, and uh, she represents us well. And Marilyn, I want you to know we pray for you regularly that God would give you wisdom in your leadership position there. So thank you so much for being with us uh, here this morning. For those who are new among us, let me just say to you, we are a church on a mission. We are absolutely passionate about connecting people to Jesus and to one another. We are so convinced that the best relationship, the most important relationship anyone can have is with Jesus. And we believe that you do life so much better when you do it uh, with others. Like, we just don't believe you were designed to do life uh, on your own. And so we just believe there's, there's a better reward. Life is fuller, it's richer when you do it with others. And that's what we're all about. With only eight days left for Christmas, I am sure there's probably a lot of you that have a lot of things still left to do in your preparation of the big celebration. So I want to say thank you for making it a, a priority to be here this morning. And I realize that some of you may have been dragged here, maybe bribed here, tricked to be here. For whatever reason you're here, we just want to say we're uh, grateful to have you and uh, there's a place uh, for you here and welcome. I also want to say hello to those who are watching online. Our online audience continues to grow uh, week after week, and we're very excited about that. In a country of political correctness, where religious conversations are to be held at bay, something changes in December. It seems like conversations about Jesus are everywhere. He's all over the airways. That's what I love about this time of year. It's so easy, it's so natural to have a conversation about Jesus. It's an exceptional time of year. Uh, today, we're going to wrap up our series of God Came Near. We've been on this journey investigating what does it actually mean that God came near. And, and the first week, I said, Christmas is a confrontation. Christmas is all about conflict. Christmas is, is God's campaign uh, against sin and death. Christmas is God's beachfront attack on the enemy. Christmas is a declaration of war. I don't know how many people know this, but I, I love history. I'm, I'm a history buff. Uh, all through high school, I, I couldn't get enough of history. I love reading history books. I love watching movies about history. I, I'm just fascinated uh, by history. And this month, 73 years ago, a declaration of war was announced. World War II was already two years into invasions and bombing and bloodshed. And on December the 7th, 1941, the Empire of Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. 
And this is the damage that it caused. Or 353 Japanese fighters, bombers, and torpedo planes came in uh, in two waves, and they were launched from uh, six aircraft carriers, and this is the damage. Two battleships totally lost. Two battleships were sunk and then recovered. Two battleships damaged. One battleship grounded. Two other ships sunk. Three cruisers destroyed. Three dis destroyers uh, damaged. Three other ships damaged. 188 aircraft destroyed. 159 aircraft damaged. 2,403 lives killed. 1,178 people left wounded. And on the very next day, December the 8th, 1941, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt stood before the United States Congress and the nation, and he said, and I quote, December the 7th, 1941, will be a date that will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. He went on to say, our righteous might will win through absolute victory. This form of treachery will never again endanger us. And as I was thinking about that speech and as I was listening to it again this week, I couldn't help but think of Christmas where God came near. It, was a, it will be a day, it is a day that will live in infamy. That God's righteous might will win through absolute victory. And this form of treachery, sin and death will never again endanger us. Know why? Because God came near. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I said that Christmas uh, contradicts everything that makes sense to us. Christmas is, is uh, all of our assumptions about God and, and what he's like are confronted on, on every level. Christmas reveals just how ridiculously and radically uh, generous is God's grace, how, how real it is. And that's why so many people will say, well, God's grace is scandalous. In so many ways, Christmas doesn't make sense to us. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. But Christmas has a way of revealing to us the very need of Christmas. Christmas uh, can expose in all of us the need of something more than what I can do or what I can accomplish or what I can buy or what I can earn or what I can achieve. Christmas is God coming near. And I am sometimes astonished at myself that I am not swept off my feet when I think that God came near. When we think of that night that Christ was born, we usually have this mental image. It was a, a simpler time, a simpler world, a peaceful night. And though there was no room in the inn, the stable, the stable accommodations were quite nice. Movies, paintings, Christmas cards portray to us that though Mary and Joseph didn't stay at the Marriott, the stable conditions were at least close to a Super 8 hotel. You know, the animals are quiet. They've been freshly bathed. There's no smell. Mary's delivery was easy because she looks so radiant on every Christmas card. But nothing could be farther from the truth if that is our mental image of what it was like when Jesus was born. The context in which Jesus was born was not a happy one. There was radical tension between the Jews 
and the Romans. And then there was this heavy, burdensome taxation levied against them. The Roman tax agency, the, the IRS, the CRA had gone wild. This is why Mary and Joseph found themselves in Bethlehem because of this heavy, heavy taxation upon them. Painful environment in which the Savior was born. The picture we see of that first Christmas morning doesn't really accurately depict what the first Christmas morning really was like. And the essence of Christmas is a declaration of war. By declaring war, God was ready to battle our enemy once and for all. And when you understand Christmas as a declaration of war, your understanding of Christmas increases. It gets brighter. It gets clearer. It's more fuller in our understanding of this holiday that we celebrate. In Matthew 1.21, this kind of gives us the essence of Christmas. Matthew 1.21 says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Why did he come? Because it was a problem. <laughs> That's why he came, a problem of sin. The reason we need it Christmas is because of the tyranny of our enemy. Sin has so much control of people's lives. That it's caused so much havoc in people's lives. And then Matthew 1.23 says, Behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Christmas is not just about a baby in a manger. Christmas is about God becoming a man. Let's not get too hyped up about the baby. Let's get hyped about, let's not just get hyped up about a manger scene. Let's get hyped about the fact that God became a man. God came near. The understanding is God is in the crib. Emmanuel, God with us. The heart of Christmas, God with us. God became a man. You understand? Do you hear what I'm saying? God became a man. The heart of Christmas, deity is in the manger. Deity is lying on the hay. Deity is being sniffed by the animals. Isaiah 9, 6, it says, a child will be born, a son will be given. And the reason that the son is given is because the son existed before the child was born. Don't reduce Jesus to a simple nativity scene. This is God with us. Now, I, I brought this as an illustration. I bought a wine glass. I bought this bottle. Very nice bottle, by the way. Look at the nice foil that's covered. And when I take that foil off, there's a really, there's a cork, kind of, kind of twist it off. And when you, when you look at this, when it says red, you go, oh, red wine. Mm, it's a good year, 2017. Look at that. 
has really been able to settle well. From a distance, from a distance, this looks like a bottle of wine and a wine glass. I like to call it stemware. From a distance. But, but when you get up close, you realize this is not actually a bottle of wine at all. It's just sparkling apple juice. And this is what God did. Let me explain to you. See, when, when you look at Jesus, you, you just saw a man. When you looked at the crib, you, you just saw a baby. You would go, oh, oh, what a cute little baby you got there. Mary and Joseph, what a fine-looking baby you got there. But by the unseen eye, there was God laying in the hay of a manger. But it wasn't obvious. When you look at this, it's not obvious that it's just apple juice in here. And it wasn't obvious when God came near. That's why Herod didn't see him. It wasn't obvious. That's why the Jewish religious leaders didn't see him. It wasn't obvious who he was. That's why the innkeeper didn't see him because it wasn't obvious who he was. And that's why many people didn't see him because it wasn't obvious. The wise men saw it. The shepherds saw it. And though they saw a baby, something inside of them said, there's something different about this baby. I'm not even too sure what the difference is, but something is different about this baby. One minute Jesus is, is crying in the cradle because a child is born. And yet in John chapter 1, it says that baby spoke the world into existence because in that baby was God. In fact, let me just read a couple of verses for you from John uh, chapter 1, talking about who this baby is. John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God, he was with God in the beginning. Look down at verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and mercy. He became flesh, God and dwelt among us. On the one hand, Jesus was a man, and he got sleepy. But on the other hand, he was able to raise Lazarus from the dead because this man was God. On one hand, Jesus was a man, and he got thirsty. But on the other hand, Jesus, who was a man, was also God, and he could walk on water. On one hand, Jesus had to be born in the belly of a woman. Yet on the other hand, he created the woman whose belly he came out of. Because he's God. He is God with us. One minute he's starving and needs something to eat. And the next minute, he takes five little fishes and two uh, biscuits and turns it into a feast that feeds 5,000 people. Because in Jesus, we have God with us. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, 
It talks about Jesus being a wonderful counselor. Not just someone who tells you what to do, but oh, how wonderful it is that what he says are real answers to real problems. Why? Because God, who is a man in Jesus, knows exactly what you're going through. The child who is, who is human understanding, he knows what you're going through. But because he's God, he's divine, and he can tell you what to do with what you're going through. And because he's human, he can feel. But because he's God, he can do something about it. Because he's human, he understands. But because he's God, he can fix it. Because he's human, he pains with you and me. But because he's God, he's the great healer. Because he's human, he knows troubles. But because he's divine, he can be our lawyer. Because he's, he's human, he knows sickness. But because he's God, he can become our doctor. Because he's human, he understands your discouragement. But because he's God, he can be your wonderful counselor. He is the eternal father. And yet so often we get stuck just thinking about a little baby in a manger. Matthew clearly tells us why he came. It says he came to save people from their sins. God became a man in order to provide salvation. And my friend, that is good news. Every man, every boy, every woman, every child can be saved because Jesus is the great deliverer, the great rescuer, not just a baby in a manger. This Christmas season is all about God becoming a man. It is about someone who God provided to deal with sin and to rescue us and to deliver us. Sin will run the show unless there's intervention. And that's why God came near. He came to deliver us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, the presence of sin. And if you have the Christ child living in you, then you have victory over sin. But some of you have not been delivered from your sin because the Christ child doesn't live within. The first time, he came veiled as a child. But the next time he comes, he'll be unveiled as the glorious Lord. The first time he came, stargazers marveled. But the second time he comes, all of heaven and earth will shake. The first time he came, wise men and shepherds brought him gifts. The next time he comes, he brings his gifts and rewards. The first time, there was no room for him in the inn. The next time, the whole world won't be able to contain him. The first time, a few people gathered around to see him. But the next time, every eye will behold him. The first time, he came as a baby. But the next time he comes, he comes as the king of kings 
and the Lord of Lords. He is coming again. As sure as he came the first time, he will come again. So a good question to ask yourself is, am I ready when he comes again? Help has come. Help has come. God moved into our mess. He moved into the real world, a world where there was poverty and hunger and and sex addiction and alcoholism and abuse and school shootings and and broken families and human trafficking and natural disasters and, and marital infidelity. That is the world that God came into. God came near. It was a land of darkness and perverseness and brokenness. And just imagine the God of the universe who would have been perfectly um, right to have just left us on our own, left us all on our own and turned his back on us. Seems like that should have been the natural thing to do to a group of people who were so rebellious. But this God came into the real world into our mess, into our shame and our guilt and our anxiety and for uh, worn-out moms and rebellious teenagers and those who fight with depression and joblessness and relational tension and unexpected um, expectations and, and all the frustrations that you and I deal with, all the things that make you and us, myself, afraid and angry, all that causes tensions in our relationship, all that stuff that makes up your life and my life. That's what Jesus came into. He came for sinners. He came for people just like you and me. That's why God came near. He didn't only come into a messy world, by the way. This is what's amazing. He came into a messy world that did not want him. In fact, in 1 John Verse 10, he says, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He came to a place where nobody even wanted him. (laughs) They just wanted to continue doing it on their own. He didn't come because people were asking him, begging and crying, God, come and help us. He came even when we weren't asking. He came when we were still rebelling against him. That's why Christmas contradicts everything that we believe to be true about relationships. He didn't come to reward us for our good deeds. Christmas is God coming our way with no merit of our own. What makes sense would be if we had asked him to come, if we had begged him to come, if we had cried out to him and then he came, that would make sense. But that's not what he did. He came when we were still rebellious runners running from him. And yet while we were running from him, he continued to pursue us and to run after us and to rescue us He came not because we had done it all right. He came because we were doing it all wrong. He came because we were dirty and and we needed to be cleaned. Sometimes we get this mindset. You know, God, thank you 
thank you for getting me in, but I'll take it from here. But that's not what John is saying. John confronts our assumptions that we can make it on our own. The truth is we need the grace of God day after day after day after day. We would be helpless if it wasn't for the grace of God day after day after day. But because of Christmas, we can have the grace of God day after day after day. You know, what would life look like if God had not come near? Look over in verse 16 of John chapter 1. It says, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is what life would look like if God had not come near. The law would be telling us exactly what to do. But grace tells us what God has already done. The law would be telling us what God expects of us. But grace tells us what God has done for us. Life without God is life without grace. Without God coming, all we are left with is a to-do list. One of the most powerful stories of redemption that I've really ever read or ever seen is a story that was written by Victor Hugo, Les Miserables. Powerful, the story of redemption, how God can redeem a man. If you haven't read it or seen it, I, I would encourage you. I mean, it's not, I don't normally recommend stuff like that, but it is a powerful story. It shows you exactly the depravity of man and it is contrasted with the grace of God. Well, Victor Hugo, who wrote Les Miserables, wrote a poem after his daughter's death. It's called Written Beneath the Cross. He says, you who weep, come to this God, for he weeps. You who suffer, Come to him, for he cures. You who tremble, come to him, for he smiles. You who pass, come to him, for he remains. You who sin, come to him, for he forgives. And that, my friend, is great news. That is great news that God forgives sinners. He is a forgiver of sinners. And God has never, ever, not even once, ever rejected a sinner who has come to him. And they've come to terms with their desperation and their need and cry out to him. Christmas isn't just a reminder of what Jesus did. It is a reminder of what Jesus is doing. He's still fighting. He's still pursuing. 
He's doing whatever it takes to bring us home so we can have a new name and a new identity. God came near. Do you hear me? God came near and became a man for sinners like you and me who were helpless on our own. We needed a rescuer. We were desperate for a chain breaker. And then God himself came on the rescue mission. There is a better life. And that life is found in none other than Jesus Christ. And that's what Christmas is all about. God came near to rescue us. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we're so grateful for this season. We would be helpless, we would be lost without this this season of Christmas. Lord, thank you that you declared war for us, that you were willing to battle our enemy of sin and death. And Lord, the day that you were born will be a date that will live in infamy because a savior was born. God came near to rescue us. God, thank you for giving us a reason to celebrate during this season. We give thanks to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.